0: hi i'm scott and i'm seth and i'm zach and we are track walking um yeah who do we got scott tell us tell us who we got Zach
1: Lavoie, um, recently voted bestest driver this year, uh, GLTC bestest, and that is the correct name of the trophy, by the way, bestest driver
2: this year. Zach Lavoie. Yeah, thank you. Hi. <laughs> thanks. Uh, hi, thanks to everybody. I was so excited to see who was going to win that award. Like I was looking at everybody. I was very surprised it was me. What an honor! That's what a true honor.
1: Yeah, I've, I feel like that's almost the perfect, like, like pure mindset to have. Like that's that's the feeling I had when Becky and I won it the first year. Because one, it was the first year, and two, it was like gltc like we're driving the car to events like nobody's picking us right like it's gonna go to cattill or lichty or like one of these like emil like one of these perennial guys and they're like scott rarps and i'm like <laughs> like like becky becky had to be
2: like yeah it's you <laughs> go off there it's so great no but it makes you it's like, it feels like, um, it's such a win, isn't it? Like it feels so good inside your heart to win that one over any of the races or whatever the year was. It's like, okay, wow. Uh, it, you know, it felt so good.
1: Good. Yeah. And we've, and we've got several men and women, I think who, who could have won it. Um, you know, we've got good people in GLTC so true. and it's so nice, but like in terms of just like. The paddock agreeing that like Zach, you're pretty cool. Oh man, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah,
0: you know, I don't think just, I, in I, that I, moment anybody was sad when they called your name. I think <laughs> literally everybody was. Yeah,
1: yeah. Who's your GLTC enemy? Like, do you do you have any haters
2: out there who would be like, "Oh
1: God, that freaking guy Zach won it."
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> none that have said it to my face. That's, I'm sure there's a fair. few. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few. No. <laughs> I do love every. I mean, gosh, the you're right. That's why I drive 18, 20 hours. To, the, the vibes in these paddocks and the people are, they're the best. It's really the best people that come together at these, at these events. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's hard. It's, but yeah, I was, I was pleased to have handed that thing off to you. And, um, there was a former one lap of America, driver buddy of mine who posted uh, that quote that I totally butchered um, <laughs> when, when I, when I said it, but yeah, it's, it's essentially that if you've, if by winning you've lost the respect of your peers, then you have not won. Mm, like, yeah, I've, so good. i I've, you know, we always like Adam has quotes and like things that we say, um, to help like capture GLTC and like what it means. And I came across that. I'm like, I'm using that all the mm. time because yeah. that is because of of course people want to win. And of course you want to do well, but it's how you do well. And it's how you win. That is more important than the winning itself. And I think yeah. that's like, it's, it's those two things, but it, it, it aligns them properly
2: yeah I agree I agree and and it you know when I came into this I came off club racing not a lot but some BMW club stuff and some historic stuff and it, it's just a different game it's it's dive bomb and don't respect the other drivers and it's a constant battle and so when I came here I was like this is so I'm not not to discount what it was but it was like what we're supposed to be polite and I have to give room and what kind of racing is this you know and yeah. wow what a, how it makes you as a driver right i mean you're just mentally better physically better it's just all great it's it's a good and i know adam has a hard time balancing that for what he calls a bunch of tryhards but it gets <laughs> through our heads i think he you know it gets through to us
1: yeah it's yeah. adam and i talk about it a lot um again good group of men and women who need to be talked to on a consistent basis, just to sure. keep everything. I, I do think we need like daily meetings, like just plan it <laughs> yeah. in advance, right. you know, because it's always that beginning of day two. That's when things get weird. Race yeah. three is usually the weird race.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, I, I, statistically, do we know on the incident reports, is it typically race three or do we have one that favors an incident?
1: I, I bet Richard could graph that one out. Um, we did find that certainly it's the first weekend, um, that has (laughs) most incidents and then either the third or fourth weekend that there's another like little spike. I think I might call it like the intermediate spike, like, Hey, I'm good to go. And then things happen. And then you've (laughs) got to like rein it back in or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: And you, I know this is your podcast, but I have a quick quick question on. um, We don't get questions much, so that's that's (laughs) fine with us. Well, I've derived that you. I don't know this for sure, but you play some sort of advisory role with Grid Life, or what's your role outside of being the racer? Because it seems like you know more than most when it comes to that.
1: (laughs) I I don't know what I do here, Zach. To be honest, Um, I like Adam, so he and I just talk about life and carpentry Mm uh at times and stuff like that um when if something comes up adam will i'll reach out to adam or he'll reach out to me just get my thoughts on it like i I might be one of the people he reaches out to just to like hey what's your what's your feel on this and then he'll Mm -hmm. be like okay cool and he'll will or will not like (laughs) go with whatever whatever I thought, but, yeah. but for me it's especially like having started, like my first wheel, wheel race was GLTC race one really in 2019, like where it started. <laughs> and like, after that I was ruined for anything else. And like really wanted to, and I told him early on, like I wanted to commit to, making it a good place and through helping out the beginner program and the GLTC rookies and things like that. Um, my concern more than like technical rules, like engine modifiers, like stuff like that. Like I've, I've got opinions about some things like racer mind specific things, but really for me, it's like, how do we promote what we want gltc to be yeah and that's and so those two big red paragraphs at the beginning of the new rules Mm -hmm. um i had a heavy hand in that because i i personally wanted to see more spelled out but i wanted to really help like i want to develop and train good drivers coming in and I also thought like spelling out the whole probation thing because I didn't know what probation really meant. How, like, how do you get on it? What happens while you're on it? And how do you get off? Like, I didn't sure. know. So yeah. it's like, it's I smart. figured if I didn't know
2: a lot of people probably didn't know. So let's just write it down. Yeah. I love that. It, it, and it builds more safety for us. You know, the, I think the so the experience guys, we know just not any rookies coming in to, <laughs> slammed into us at any point oh yeah that's, that's, i
0: think this is a good segue because now like we know how scott got here yeah how did that get here yeah like how like like how did you go from being 16 years old and thinking cars are awesome to being with, here with us sure wow um <laughs>
2: That's a long story, but that's what we want. You're a (laughs) young man. You're fine. (laughs) I thank you, sir. I appreciate that compliment. Um, I'm going to go back a little further. My dad was just an avid car collector, loved cars. So growing up, there was always 12 or 15 cars around, whether they were parked out front of the house or in the garage. I think we could fit 10 in the garage at the time he had, he basically built a shop yep. off the side of his house, you know, and, um, everything from a 38 Cadillac limousine that, that he would drive and I would ride in the back and we'd go to the grocery store. And I, I would oh, go to that's store amazing. And, Yeah. I mean, I would get picked up and dropped off at my elementary school in this limousine and, that's uh, so cool. oh, oh, just gangster Italian, you know, got of cars and, um, he had Tornadas, he had Morse Miners and Volkswagens and 268 Camaros. And, and then he had a 1965 356 SC Porsche that my mom bought for him as a birthday present. I Like it was maybe $5,500 or something, $6,000, you know. And that, was that wasn't the, nothing back then. No, it actually wasn't because that would have been... Let's see. I probably mid 70s is when he got it. I was born 77. So by about 85 or six, you know, oh. I started to notice, wow, this is a super, super cool car. I had a Pinto. We lived on 50 acres. So I had a Pinto at nine years old. that was mine. and because it was it was a mile to our bus stop that
1: that's that was your tractor like a lot of people on farms like get to drive the
2: tractor around you had a pinto that was it that was it and they didn't want to take me up to the bus stop so i could drive my pinto to the (laughs) bus stop, (laughs) sitting on pillows and uh it was yeah it was a pinto too out of all things but thank god i didn't hit a tree or anything you know but uh (laughs)
1: like would you just park it like Next to the road up there, there take was a the keys circle. to school
2: with you. Yeah, there was a circle at our. We were on a dirt road, like I said. So there was a circle for the bus to turn around, and I would park it in the circle, and then um, then <laughs> get on my bus and drive to school. And it was you know forty five. Anyway, like I said, this this story could go a long way, so I'm going to fast forward. So uh, uh, once I learned that's that's the three fifty six, I fell in love with. And um, learned to drive uh, a stick on that car. And it was just the coolest thing. And he would say, you know, we'd go down this old country road. And he'd say, no, watch, I'm going to bring the back end out a little bit. And I want you to feel what this is like. And and now you do it. So wow. he would teach me these different, these different things. Yeah, super cool. Well,
1: we're, real quick, like what, what was it about the Porsche that seemed different from like the limo? And like, was it? It sounds like it was kind of an outlier from the cars that he collected. Otherwise, like, was it because it looked
2: different? Like, did it sound different? What What was it? This is crazy, but I mean, the the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, I loved how it smelled when I got in it—that old Porsche leather smell. As a child, I can smell it right now. I get it as we're talking, you know. And um, so I love that. And we'd have to, we'd always have to hit it with a starter fluid and a little bit of fire would come out and that was the coolest thing that dad didn't care that fire was coming out of the engine of this car and he'd pump the gas zachary pump the gas you're not know, stretching to pump the throttle so it just brought back that was our car like we sat elbow to elbow you know as a child i was the closest i could be to him unless i had my arm around him in the you know in the truck or whatever he we were best buds it's just the way it was you know And wherever he went i went and um I don't know, man. It was just, that was it. And and when it was like time to learn how he was like, okay, we're going to take this. We're going to drive this. And, uh, but he was, man, he was, like I said, he was an adventurer. We, uh, he bought a North star Cadillac when they first came out in El Dorado. Oh yeah. We're doing 150 down the interstate. (laughs) I I don't, I guess I'm 14 or 15 at this point. And he says, listen to that. You hear that air? coming through the windows and i said i do and he's we're going to cadillac store right now (laughs) so we go there and he says at uh get in the car and 150 air comes through this window and they said mr lavoie we believe you (laughs) we're just gonna fix the car
1: yeah yeah, so it's, that was. It's not like they're going to send a service tech out to. Could you go verify this claim?
2: <laughs> Cut, oh, he's going to take them. Yeah,
1: customer states. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're
2: right. Does it void warranty if you go to 155? So, so any anyway. This, so now I've given you some root of of my car love. It, it literally it came from him. He unfortunately developed cancer when I was 17 and passed away or at 16 and passed away by the time I had turned 17. So it was very fast. And and I know I know that, you know, how all that goes. It was a it was a life changing situation. Um, yep. And I drove that Eldorado around, man, for like four or five months. My mom didn't care. She was just like, be, be, you know, just you can you guys can just sort of enjoy what you have. Um, my sister ended up inheriting the Porsche. I inherited the Harley, and then we had old Harley as well that he and I used to ride everywhere on. Okay. Now my sister's husband. Whew, gosh, Chiracos and older rat. older sister by seven years. Okay. And the and yeah, and the brother-in-law is is seven years older as well. So you know, I, think about this: me thirteen, fourteen. He's twenty, twenty-one. Rolls up in his Scirocco. Okay wants to hang with my sister on his own. So he throws me the keys to the Scirocco and, you know, and I pick up a buddy and we listen to Jane says, and we ride around Birmingham, but we don't get pulled over, you know, and all, all the stuff that cars builds for your life, you know, and, um, or at least for my life. And uh, he buys, let's see, dad passes away. I had sat in front of an E36 M3 at the BMW shop. I mean, for at least a year, just Indian style in front of it, just saying, I'm going to have you one day. I'm going to have you one day. Like, I want you as a car. What color? Black. Black on black. Yeah. And this would have been 90. So it was a 90. Well, those were 97s, but I bought a 95. I ended up buying one. And I bought that because my brother-in-law had bought an E30 M3. And just <laughs> so cool. You know, uh, everything he did was just the best. Jack Joyner's his name. And Jack and Scott Montana and, and, and a couple other guys, they they decided they were going to create the BMW Club in Birmingham. There was no club for Alabama. So the Heart of Dixie um, was created. And I became, I was the member's director at 18. So I had to have a BMW. You know, I had to, I had to run with the cool kids, you yeah. know. And um anyway, they're actually who went to Barber and said, hey, we'd like to do a, a, a high performance driving event. They were really, from what I believe, they were the first club to go to barber and do an H H P D E. And and anyway, it built. It's built. I mean, the Heart of Dixie's a huge club at this point. All right. So I'm going to try to fast forward a long way. So we Good. we've got we've got a college SD- for me. Yeah. No, I was going to college, and then when he passed away, yep. um, it was funny. He asked me one day, he said, "Are you going to be a doctor or a lawyer?" And I said, "No." I don't think so. And he said, and he, we'd owned this restaurant for, uh, well, at that point for 45 years and, uh, in the, in the business, but we're four generations deep. My great grandparents came from Italy here, opened a restaurant and, and, uh, and then we followed through with our, that's a whole different, that's a long, whole other story, but, uh, uh, I said, no, I think, I think I just want to be an entrepreneur, dad. I think I just want to run, you know, I want to run the restaurant and, or, or do something like that. And this was for you cancer. And he said, well, just run with me. I'm going to teach you, save me the hundred thousand and I'm going to teach you everything I know. So that was that at about 12 ish is when I started learning ledgers and counting money and understanding proper valuations and things and how to buy low and sell high, you know, and all those things that, that comes along with being an entrepreneur no lost talk, never, never lost talk. I learned that on my own later on in life that you can actually lose a lot of money as an entrepreneur. But, but anyway, yeah. that, that's, that's neither here nor there. So, um, the BMW, let's get back to the BMW, the M3. So no college. Um, my brother-in-law says, come on, we're going to go do something called auto crossing. And I autocrossed for like two or three years, loved it. They decided to go to road Atlanta, came back and said, if you will get on track, this, is my brother-in-law, if you'll get on track, you probably won't look back at autocrossing. You'll just this is where you want to be. So that's it, man. Road Atlanta, <laughs> then Barber, and um, you know, sixteen cars later, and Jeez. and and I'll tell you what. Where I got to GLTC is um, Pete Collins. You guys know Pete?
1: I know of him.
2: Okay, he drives the MS7, the drifter car, yep. MS7. That, that's the big V8 car. I'm at Barber, and Pete rolls up in an M five and says, Hey, you look like, you know what you're doing. Can I follow you around? I was like, Oh God, I come here to like, not have friends. Like I just want to drive around, (laughs) which is such a different story of grid life. Right. Yeah, Especially for you. Like you seem like
1: such a talkative person, but.
2: I am. So when I get to go to the track, like back then it was, if I go to the track, I'm just going to chill. I'm going to drive my car and just do my thing. And man, by Sunday, Pete was like, we were, i mean, truly already best friends. We, we really felt like we were brothers. He came down eight more times that year. Uh, and think about that as a 14 hour trip down and back, but yeah. we just the best times we, we started to have. And, um, he said, I got a guy named Andy Smetgar that you have to meet. He's phenomenal at driving. He's got a little shop that he started. Like you need to meet this guy. And, uh, It just went from there. I started going up up north and then they talked about good life and they started GLTC it. So I followed like a little duck, bought me a car and never even knew about the car. Pete found it. It, Pete, this is a crazy story. If you don't buy it, Pete calls and says, well, he texts on our little group text, Zach S2000 Charleston. I said on it because I'd been saying, I want a car, I want a car, $11,000. So I call the guy and I say, I want the car. He'd had it for sale like a few hours. I said, I'll give you eleven grand," And he says, wait, you're going to give me full price? I said, absolutely. I'm sending the deposit now. I'll give you $11,000. Well, do you, do you care if I think about it overnight? <laughs> and I said, what? He said, I just want to make sure I'm not making a mistake about Am I selling it too cheap? And I said, I don't think so. I think you're just at a fair number. But if you want to think about it, think about it.
1: So the guy's like going to go to sleep and
2: try to get another grand or two out of you? I don't know what his deal was. But the next morning, he called and said, it's your car. And I said, great. And I went Charleston, Plover, Wisconsin. Never, never stopped. And then it was built for GLTC. By the time I, the first one at Gingerman, the car was built with no kill switch. And Adam... I said throw a kill switch in and you're good to go. <laughs> That's it, man. And now I'm in love with, with GLTC. I don't want to go anywhere else. Well, you
1: said that you did some other club and vintage racing prior. Mm-hmm. Um and having come from Autocross and that kind of more time trials y thing, like why or how did the jump from like autocross to tracking to wheel a wheel? Cause that's, that's a pretty big gap.
2: Um, this is an interesting conversation. You know, friends I'm coming, I'm coming back here. Friends push friends, right? I mean, good friends push you to excel in your life, I believe. And, um, I have a group of buddies who, well, two, so it's three of us. We've been friends since first grade and we're constantly, what are you doing to better yourself? What have you done? Have you done anything this month that's helped the world? Have you done anything that you're thinking about? You know, it's constantly how to be a better human. And we have been doing that since I caught one of them smoking in the sewer. And I was like, why are you smoking? I'm telling your mom. And you know, it's always, we've always been accountable to each other. And, uh, one of the guys is, is, was, uh, Oh gosh, he was doing, gosh, I don't remember what he was doing at the time. Anyway, it's sort of irrelevant. The other one was, was starting to get into bicycling. He was going to do competition biking. And one of them says to me, how long are you going to practice? Like, when are you going to go show what you can do? Or are you just happy with where you are? Or, I mean, what in the world, man? And I said, you know what? Screw you, bud. I'm out. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to show that's... you guys what I can do. So that's really when it started. Wow. And that was maybe seven or eight years ago, maybe. Something like that.
1: So where where was your entrance ramp in
2: terms of wheel-to-wheel? Uh, BMW CCA. That's where I got my license. I did that. I did that particular weekend, and then um, uh, I went immediately to uh, the BMW Porsche Club (PBOC) racing. They're they're more Southeast. Okay. Love love them. Love that that the sanctioning body. Love the people. Like that's a really fun group. And then I bought a. Um, this is another. <laughs>
1: Dude, was that you're good? That wasn't me, was it? No, that was Adam Jabe texting me. Actually, oh,
2: okay. <laughs> Speaking of the Adam, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm in a house. I flip houses for a living. Or I'm a real—I don't just flip houses. I'm a real estate developer, and and just sort of do all things real estate. And um, I'm in a house, and Pete texts me and says, "Check out VAT. Bring a trailer. There's a Ferrari Challenge car that looks like you." <laughs> And I'm like in the kitchen with this real estate agent. I said, can you hold a second? I need to, I got to (laughs) check. Something's very important. That's just popped
1: up. I'm sorry. There's a Ferrari that has my name on it, apparently.
2: right? So it had like, I don't know, 20 minutes left. And I said, okay, I'm going for it. It was three of us on there. I said, I'm going for it guys. I'm going for it. And it was super cheap. It's still the cheapest Ferrari challenge purchase in the history. If you look up history of Ferrari sales, it's the cheapest ever purchased. And, um, and, and I'll, I'll share as well. I don't, I don't care. So it was like, uh, I think it was at $53,000 for this. Yes. Right. For this challenge car with 25,000 in parts and tires
1: and wheels and all this stuff. You'd be dumb not. You'd be losing money, not
2: buying that. (laughs) Right. Right. Now, obviously it has a reserve, right? So, um, I was like, I'm going to fifty-seven. And Pete says, Oh, monumental bid Zach, like this is gonna split the waters. Like right. you have you have really made this guy know that you want this car. And so he goes, three, two, one, ended, reserve not met. And they were making fun of me. They are like, You cheap it, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, all their cuss word, whatever. And then it goes sold all of a sudden. Yeah, it just flips sold and Pete's like, I can't believe you just bought this car. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I called the guy and I'm like, bro, did you mean to sell me this car at $57,000? Yeah. Of course, 5%, you know, I'm now I'm over a little, over a little over 60 and whatever else. And he says, you know, I've got a, uh, a, uh, club sport coming. I have a McLaren sitting here. I have a 488. I thought I would just pay it forward to somebody that, that, might want it so i hope that you deserve it like i hope who i'm paying for <laughs> to deserves it i was like oh i deserve it i give the kids at christmas there's all kinds of things you know i do to deserve there's a, this for there's
1: all. a grandma i helped across the street just yeah, the right. other day <laughs>
2: Yeah. bro i'm sending him selfies with grandmas. what do you say <laughs> <laughs> i'm photoshopping grandma's you know
1: <laughs> so, photoshop his grandma i helped your right. grandma the other day <laughs> yeah.
2: so um anyway i go down there pick it up he gives me all these parts sells me a few things like he didn't give me the torque wrench he didn't give me the, He sold me a few things that were a little too expensive but i didn't care and now where I, do i want to go race well i want to go to the historics i want to race HSR in my Ferrari challenge. And I break, I'm at Barber. Gosh, is it a wheel? It's a wheel bearing. It's center hub, right? And so they have these, it's just one wheel bearing, I guess is how it works. And it snaps while I'm there and it's $2,200. So I put it in. I actually have four that I, that the guy brought me, but it's $2,200 to fix it. And I go out on Sunday and I break the next one. So now I'm two down and I called the Ferrari Challenge people and they said, yeah, you're pretty much going to break one a weekend.
0: Good Lord. one
2: A weekend. Right. So it seems like a flaw in something if they're breaking that much. Right. And it's like, well, stay off the curbs. Well, how can I stay? I'm in a Ferrari Ferrari Challenge. I'm not going to stay off the curbs. So it was funny. We had my accountant work this out. To be, it was around ninety-five dollars a lap in tires and in parts that I was using. So he let me set up a exhibition-style scenario that I was taking clients out around in this car because that's pretty much all I, I. I'm not racing this car. Transmission broke, eighteen grand. We were able to get very lucky with some parts and get that fixed. So it, it started to get very expensive. HSR M3. And just my little M three, I had the best time. So anyway, that's the Ferrari story. And, and I brought it to some grid life stuff. Did I? No, binge Tokyo. I was about to say, I, I'm not sure I, I recall that. Yeah, I never took it there. And I owned it two and a half years and ended up selling it, making a profit. And uh, and life was good. Life was good. And that so that's my. <laughs> and they hated my M three. I went in under the guise of a Ferrari. And then showed up in my little blue M3 and they were like, that doesn't look like you know, that's not a Ferrari. And that's why I'm gonna beat y'all with this too. So still <laughs> <laughs> so old. Still has four tires. Yeah, yeah. I think the cars have to be ten years old. They just really want they want footprint, I guess, or presence. That's a better word. They want presence at their at their series.
0: Yeah, we just watched the the historics at Coda, um, whatever, a month ago um we drove i drove over to austin we watched them and i was actually surprised how many cars there were yeah right at 10 12 15 years old that were there because when you see the pictures you see like you know old cars running Mm -hmm. but when you watch the races you see a lot of cars that that are just sort of recent orphans um yeah and i actually thought that was awesome it was really neat to
2: watch them run yeah they put me with the like 2010 to 12 porsche cup cars that that sort yeah. of level he said we don't we don't really classify you as weight to horsepower it's more of like lap times and so i was way too fast for the where sort of the m3 lands which is sure. respectable sure. and so that's where they put me in yeah. it, you hum- know humble
1: yeah. humble brag but i i mean if it's <laughs> if lap time goes to prove it man throw me with some porsche cup cars that's fine yeah.
2: You know, and i came back in my said, family only- car <laughs> and i was placing like fifth sixth i got a third no i got a second in one of the races and i only had 285 horsepower and uh i told him the next i said hey if i turbo charge this and if i do this and this because i want to keep up with these cars and he said hey don't chase your don't chase your wins with money because we may move you next year like we're very fluid and how we bring parody into play with this. And I was like, I don't, it's fair. you know, I, I don't think that's not my game though. I like how, what we do. You know, these rules are just set and we get to go play, but I'm, great people, again, great people just sort of not my game.
1: Sure. Yeah. So what is it like after, after that whole experience that's like, why, why GLTC?
2: Why have I chosen GLTC? Yeah. Um
1: I mean the again, parts are cheaper than a Ferrari car.
2: So that, you've yeah, got that going for you. Yeah. Oh, gosh, they're so cheap. I still spend a lot more than I thought I was gonna spend. <laughs> like it's it's not let's don't let's don't be let's don't disillusion anyone that wants to come race no. GLTC this is a cheap sport because no. it, it is not.
1: Yeah, the um, yeah, the first year everybody still talks that every once in a while I hear people talk how affordable GLTC is and granted to like get a car onto grid, it can be inexpensive, but in terms Mm -hmm. of being competitive at the first third of the field, Mm -hmm. that is not cheap anymore.
2: No, it is not. It is not. And Moton's being an example of that, you know, I was sort of that 15th, 18th place car, you know? Oh, I know. I was chasing you for a long time. Then all of a sudden you got real fast, man. It's crazy the jump that Motons did for me. That was just in shocks? That was shocks at Lime Rock. When we put those shocks on, they asked me how it felt. Somebody asked me how Motons felt. And and I said, I need to advertise for Motons because it's like, It's like when your mother tucks you in bed and is singing to you at night and she's cooking chocolate chip cookies in the oven and that smell is just that, you know, you're going to be allowed to eat it for breakfast. (laughs) That's Motons. That's Motons. So that I'm telling you, that's the difference. It was that. Well, not the whole difference. Tom has been incredible in. um, I really believe I was playing checkers and Tom thinks in a chess style scenario and so does Andy. Um, they are four and five moves ahead. It's amazing how they think. Even while driving, they'll say, well, didn't you think of turn six as you were in turn two, as this was going on and there's an ant bed to the left and you could be one foot over and I'm going, what in the world? When the beginning, it was harder to process. But the next year at AMP, even Tom says, I saw you like at AMP, there was a certain situation where it was um, turn three, and he was like, you you you're you're pushing because you're not you're not anticipating that the car is going to come out like we are anticipating the car is going to slide each time as we place it. And one of us said like, okay, so anticipate then modulate, and like if you anticipate and then modulate, it finally clicked on understanding how to drive the S 2000. Cause I'd been in the C 46 for so long and it's sort of a point and shoot scenario. And the S 2000 is such a momentum car. Um, I had to learn that. So amp and Motons and Tom <laughs> with some Andy saying, you need to grow some, like you just need to go faster <laughs> has been that push to get me faster. I think. Yeah.
1: I know that's, um, that's Andy's byline. It's just go drive, just drive better.
2: And it'll be fine. That's the other one. It's <laughs> like, It'll be. I'm on the radio. I wish you guys could hear our radios. It is nowhere. People think that it's all this planning and like, you know, there's all this stuff going on, and we're just we're either cussing each other out or, or I'm saying my front wheel's falling off, and Andy's going, "It'll be fine." And you know, and, and the whole time it's just bitching about Wait, stuff.
1: So are you like do do are you only talking to your spotter, or like you can talk to Andy,
2: who can talk to. To each of us, we all talk to each other, and so it's a lot of fun. And it's funny, like when we were at um, you guys use radios for that. We have we have the Motorola's and the buttons, and um, and then we have our spotters, of course. Which we talk, we talk a lot. The spotters, I think, the spotters have a hard time just coming in on things. But when Tom broke. At Autobahn, this is I can't tell you when, but like we were at Autobahn. That's last and, year, I think. And because we had to do that very quick engine replacement, yeah, it would have been last last season. That's right. Andy was in the lead, right? Andy's leading the race. Tom's down, and while Andy's racing, he's on radio saying, "Get this, get these tools out, get this stuff together." Hey, guys, we've got to find an engine lift. And he's winning the race, you know? So it's a lot of chatter that goes on on those radios. And we have certain songs we play before we go out. And yeah. we have little mantras that we talk about. It's fun. We have a good time. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, we, we, want, in, we want in-line we want recording, but uh, we just haven't yet. We haven't yet. Yeah,
1: we've um, – I got a – I called up – uh, Racecom, uh, which is a, a division of HMS, and was talking to them about because Becky and I had just been using, like, you know, those basic earbuds that come with an iPhone that, like, you mm-hmm. plug into it. That was mm-hmm. our radio for wow. three years. And it never, we never dropped a call. It was free. Like, the price was right. And, basically I just wanted something that we needed two things. We needed to be able to let Becky mute more easily because it was kind of Mm -hmm. a pain in the butt. She had to mute and she was kind of going back between the apex pro app and the phone app. And it was kind of cumbersome for her. Um, but then I also wanted to be able to not be heard all the time, um, for my own brain. (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, but we didn't want to like go with a radio because you would we would have had to deal with an antenna. We would it's kind of a little cumbersome for that. Mm-hmm. And so behind the scenes, they <laughs> when I was talking to, to um, Ash, is his name. He's like, "Well, we have an unlisted product called the Shit Talker 5000. <laughs> <laughs> and we have this product because the spec E46 guys wanted to talk shit to each other during races. Funny. And so all it is like it's um I forget I think it's the IMSA plug and I've got the push to talk on the wheel everything and instead of terminating into a radio it terminates into a bluetooth dongle and I bluetooth what? that to my phone. And so I could have a conversation through discord if I wanted to wow. we could do a face. We could do a Facebook video chat <laughs> if, wow, if we wanted to. to. So, yeah, I, I, I've yet to use it like in a group call setting, but that might be fun.
2: Yeah, that would be super cool. That would be, I don't know how much we would argue if we could speak to each other, but it would be fun to try. You know, it would be we would probably argue because it's so funny to watch other people's videos and how mad they get when it looks like a clean move to me. You know, when I watch, they're cussing them out, and it's like, no, actually, you came over on them a little bit. You know, it's been interesting to to, to follow that. So we may fight a little too much to yeah. speak amongst each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's 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 fair. You know, yeah, we're, we're still racers, and in the heat of the moment, yeah sometimes sometimes you you need a minute
2: just maybe don't express maybe use your indoor voice so colton wade and i were at code i didn't know colton at, at this time i knew of him obviously but we didn't we had not spoken and um we're at code and he passes me under yellow and he doesn't give it back so i raised my hand like an italian out the window you know i stick my hand out the window like that like i'm i'm angry you yeah. know so he comes up to me after the race and he says, I think I've done something to you because I know this is the Italian hand gesture for like fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you did? You passed under yellow? Yeah, right. yeah. exactly. exactly. So, um, so he said, "He said I knew I did something wrong. I knew I had upset you. And I said, well, you know, it's just a little whatever. You know, we talked to him. He actually took the DQ, which I felt terrible about. I can't, you know, it has to happen. We have to learn and, and I've done it too. I've passed under yellow and I've caught my DQ, yep. but it's just the worst little mistake we can all make, yep. you know, but so dangerous by doing it. And, uh,
1: yeah. And that's, and that's why, because I think the year prior, we had just been giving like four place grid penalties or something like that. And kind of collectively mm-hmm. all the drivers were like, if we're going to do this, like you, you had, like, two that's two rows like that's that's nothing like you have to make it hurt because passing under yellow could make a single incident into a dual incident and stretch the safety crews thinner
2: sure sure yeah and super i mean it's just super it's a super super serious situation it just sucks when it happens because it that's why when we were at amp and had the in-car flags I know it's expensive, but my God, that
1: I loved it. Did yours work? It did. Okay. It worked mine, every time. Mine was like half a sector off. Oh, or wow. Or something. Um, huh. Huh. At least Which then, could be dangerous. Yeah. And it, yeah, it did. It wasn't corresponding where like when I would see a yellow flag, it wouldn't, it would be up, up ahead or behind or something like that. So it was. Yeah imperfect but like i could definitely see why that would be good but then Mm -hmm. like my my kind of just like old man in me wants to be like well but if you're relying on this little thing to tell you when something's yellow or not you could then you're not like looking at your surroundings you're you're
2: what you should be doing right yeah Yeah, that's
1: true which i remember we've had that discussion where you know, we were wanting to know like which stations were manned, which stations weren't manned. I think at Gingerman. And it's like, that's what your warm-up lap should be for. Yeah. Like yeah. you sh- should you should be able to tell me <laughs> yeah. where this stations are.
2: But I swear the Aztecs built Gingerman the way they aligned. I know. They aligned their flight stations with where the sun sets. It's it's the hardest thing as the day gets, you know, goes that's, goes on. Which is why I passed. I, I could the way the sun was in my eyes. I could I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it, you know, yeah. and uh, and spotters aren't always the best because they don't see every section. It's only where they can see, you know, and uh, even with our fifty foot sky lifts that we brought,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was still hard to see. All right, let us pause there. How did because I think that started at NCM mm-hmm. two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you, how did that be, why not a hot air balloon? Like, why, why did a, fi- I, I can't say that wasn't discussed, but go ahead. <laughs> like, No, just why, why a, a skyjack?
2: So Pete and I go on these escapades of like that we always say hey motherfucker get in the car we're going (laughs) motherfuckering. that's sort of our joke amongst each other like what are we gonna what motherfucking are we gonna do today and so we got on this kick of what what some fun things we can do at the track can we do bubbles can we do smoke screens and and that was more of a um not against not not anything against GLTC drivers or GLTC anything, but it was more of a focus on branding for ASM. Like, how do we build our brand that we want to build? And when I say our brand, it's it's Andy's brand, but we've all wrapped around around Andy because he's phenomenal at what he does. This actually goes back to the question of of uh, I won't go too far off, but where you asked why GLTC? Well, well, one I have Andy, which there is no one better for me for reliability to know that my car is going to be on track each time. And I was racing alone. And so to have that support of Andy is just really stupid to me on my opinion. In my opinion, it's, I love it. Um, and well worth the ride and drive and all of that. I fell in love with GLTC with what the safety of it. I do love how much we look at safety and, and the people, the the people's, I mean, I went to, Midwest festival. That was my first round. So it was like nothing I had seen, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was just like, I'm, I came home and told all these Alabama boys, I was like, all of you have to come. You have no clue what you're missing. And uh, so anyway, all right. So that's part of, that was why that was to answer your question on the GLTC. So, so back to this, it was really, how do we build branding with ASM hence the deliveries the that came along That was Pete's idea. Pete said, we need to all, we need to look like a team. We need to bring all this together. Um, he sat down with someone and designed all that. Uh, now I'm not, I was a little bit out of that. So Andy probably played a bigger part. I just heard, Hey, you're the red one. Hey, you're the, you know, this is the blue or this is what's left. Pick what you want, you know? And, um, so then it was, okay, how do we build a presence as we're there? Well, let's do this. Let's Let's do this. Let's do that. So that's where you, you've you seen those little stunts because look at how much camera time we got. You know, <laughs> we got camera time. And that was uh, why not we, all of us should be utilizing this amazing platform that Gridlife has given us. You know, if we want this as a, to do this as, a, as some business involved as well. You know what I mean? Don't bring business to GLTC. I don't think we should be bringing like pro racing to gltc but if if we're going to help anyone or help each other build brands then i think that gltc gives us our, our grid life gives us that beautiful platform oh all right so lyft pizza yes. construction business so he pizza pizza uh defense defense contractor and um so he said uh, Hey, I can get these, I can get a 120 foot lift. I was like, I, I'm too scared to go up under 20 feet. <laughs> so we just, we chose the 50 and, and uh, and that was it. And then they it worked great. Once we did that at NCM, we talked about that at Topeka. Adam gave us the go on it. And so when we brought it, it was sort of a, can our guys come up there too? Absolutely. And that's just where it went. But we going into COVID, we had discussions of, um, Sky riding, like airplanes. No. <laughs> That'd be phenomenal, <laughs> wouldn't it? Be great, but then COVID did, and it just it threw things off. We all thought we were going to bankrupt. We don't live yeah. too far within our like you know. I got like, maybe a day or two's worth of savings, and then <laughs> and then I'm out. <laughs> and that's race car, right? I yep. mean, I I told somebody I've, I've been through two fortunes. I'm on my third. I'm on my way to losing my third. Thanks to this race car.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't look at the budget for race. Cars.
2: Yeah. You can't, you can't,
1: which is what surprised me to be honest. I mean, it, it must've been the entrepreneur businessman side of you to even like, look at the price per lap. I, I, I don't <laughs> think I would ever
2: want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> it was – we had to – I had to find some way to get this car where it could be written off or have some sort of cost for it being towards the business. Now, I don't think we ended up even doing it. I, I played with him. I put it on the QuickBooks as a um, – it said uh, 430 Challenge Street, Apartment F is what I had on the on our QuickBooks. <laughs> and he called me and he said – where do you have this, you know, 60 grand in an apartment somewhere? And I said, well, that's a Ferrari. I just wondered if I could get it by you. And he said, no, we can legitimately own a Ferrari. It's just how do you, you know, how do you do this? So it was fun. Shoot, but I, mean, I, don't,
1: I may need to hit you up for how to uh, better deduct my race car stuff.
2: You know, I don't because I'm afraid of a red flag. Like oh, I think I it, it would eventually bring a red flag. So we did it, but I, I really don't think I, I mean, I ended up making a profit on, I think I sold that car for a pretty good amount of money. So it was, uh, uh, I I took a hit. I took a tax hit anyway on it, which is fine, Yeah, which is fine. So I guess I'm curious,
1: you've got this kind of spirit of trying things, having fun, um, where like how does that play out like when you're actually in the driver's seat um because i you know we've met a lot of people who are very exacting very like and do it by the numbers like i'm going to do x y and z because that is the optimal way to do whatever <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. we've met a lot of like adventurers who are like free spirits and just get in the car and like I don't know where I break but here feels good um mm-hmm. but like in terms of your background you're you're kind of neither of those and you're 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 kind of something different you are an adventurer like you like to try new things but there's you do certain things for certain reasons too. So how does how does that play out when you're actually driving on track?
2: It's interesting. That's a, that's a really really good question. Um, I may have jumped into it a little too soon, but I'm uh, I'm curious. It's okay. Um, I don't think so. I'm well, one. I'm 45, right? So I think 45 comes. There's a lot that comes into play at 45 years old, like responsibility of of uh, being around for my mother as she gets older and what really is that trophy at the end of the day. And, and, and then, and then maybe somebody that I see, you know, if I'm racing somebody that took everything they could to get their car there, and I know that I'm there, I'm blessed in what I have in my life and and where I am, I'm going to think about that person's car and place on the race, on the racetrack. and, I I might not, I don't feel bad hitting Andy's car, but I might feel bad at at hitting someone else's car. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean that from a judgmental standpoint. I mean that on, um, I just mean that, that some of these guys I look at as me when I was 25 and I respect that placement for them. And so I want to, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, and this is Matan, Matan. Oh, I was I I had him in the back of my
1: mind as you were talking, but yeah.
2: All right, I I love this guy. I mean, I I love him from his his hair to his attitude to like everything. I I really do. And um, (laughs) I'm mad at myself for this, and he doesn't know this, and and I'm not I'm not holding. I mean, we all know he's a phenomenal driver, and if he were in my car. I, I probably would never see his bumper. He would just be gone. I know he sort of struggles with, you know, what he's trying he's developing that car. And and that that'll come. I believe it'll come. We're at NCM and he's coming. He's coming. And I said, How cool would it be for him and I to be like right at nose to nose as we're coming out of twelve for, for everything, you know, or not twelve out of what is that last one? Like 20 whatever. Three, twenty four or something like that. So he's coming, and I don't let off by any means. But I am thinking about how cool it would be for us to just make this a show, right? Which, like it was for Emil Tab and I at AMP, it was a it was a great show. And uh, but this was I had learned my lesson by this point. And that boy hit those S's so perfectly. Like I didn't calculate the slingshot that was going to come along. So he passed me right at the end. And 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 when I was finished, I was like, why am I focused on this guy catching up with me and having a good time down the straightaway versus just, you know, just, just. So when, you, when you're saying, where's my mind, my mind is in the adventure and in the show and in what ASM is doing like I so happily show my in-car videos of Andy, Tom, Matt and Robert passing me, you know, where, where most would be embarrassed. I, I have a great time showing how good these guys are, you know, so I'm there for the fun and I'm there to When Andy said, get ready to be a mid-pack guy. I wanted to prove him wrong. <laughs> and then my goal was top 10 for the year. And as we got closer, I wanted to be consecutive with the rest of them. You know, I wanted to be, yeah. we really wanted a one, two, three, four, five. That's what, you know, we wanted. God, you guys would have been so obnoxious. <laughs> we worked so hard and I told, I told, um, I don't know if I should share this or not, but. Cause it's kind of his business, but, but I'll share it cause I have just mad respect for Jeremy, for Swenson. And, um, I woke up the next day after after all of the championship and everything, and I had I had this vision, this literal vision, of all these kind of little not little ASM guys, but all the ASM guys sitting there. And then Jeremy was like three feet taller than us, right in the middle. And I, and and I went over to him that morning and I said, "Hey, Jeremy, I want I want to chat with you about something." I said, "You, I want you to know that you are are a formidable formidable force." five guys went against you. Two guys are standing. The other three are behind you. The other three are dead in my, you know, the way it looks to me, you know, and that, that's super big. I'm not saying, and we never did. I mean, I know there's some things that, that look, that look so, but it wasn't like be against Jeremy. It was never that it was ASM needs to do the best we can, you know, ASM needs to do the best we can. And I was so distraught and, and Eric and I have had Eric Jensen and I have had the best time this season. I consider him a great friend. He's so true and so respectable and just, just a good all around good dude. dude. And going into Topeka, I'm like, we are, we are point. What were we? 1.2 points away from each other.
1: I remember you. I remember seeing you talk about that. It
2: was close. And, and I think about, man, there's a, there's a point of selfishness that has to come into play to be a racer. Right. And, and the rest of my world, I tried to not have, like, I focused really hard on entitlement and, you know, and selfishness and not, not having those things, you know, and then you go in and you got to be entitled to be a racer. And it's a struggle, man. Like with Eric, cause, like, I want Eric to have a good weekend and I want me to have a good weekend, you know? So maybe I answered too long for you. I, I probably did.
1: No, no, I find that, <laughs> I've, I find that encouraging, like it's. It's nice to hear that, like, you're thinking about people, you know, and not just the performance and results aspect of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like for Tom to tell me execute through turn three better and and I do it because I do like to better myself. But yeah, man, it's the people, it's the race, it's the, I love Adam pointing to his head every time we go it's just the best and I always point right back to him you know and and all of these things that we do i just i don't know i absolutely love it it's it's such great fun mm-hmm. so who cares if i'm 20th or 50th I, I really i don't i really don't care
1: i was just happy i could get around you in
2: the wet at amp oh so my god that's good it, you did so good, and like watching you come up on me. There was a few races where it's like, "Here comes Scott," especially Topeka. That was I, awesome.
1: I do remember that race, and like, and and this is not to this is more. I think to to say like how well you you're doing this year. Like I've besides that was like bookended of the season. That was like the first race was a wet one at AMP, and uh-huh. then I think race two mm-hmm. at Heartland. Like, for the last four laps, like, I was, I was able to do in cork, like, a second and a half, two seconds over my previous day. And the Crazy. last three laps, you were tangled up with Matan and somebody else. And, like, for the next three laps, you know, you I've got, especially at Topeka, you can, like, look across track really well and mm-hmm. gauge where people are. And I, mm. I saw you. I'm like, wow, I can still see Zach. Okay. Next lap, I'm like... <laughs> Zach's closer. And then my like half lap check, I'm like, he's closer. I'm, I want Zach now. I want to go get Zach now. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't get there, but like, man, it's like,
2: I, Oh man, I was, and I saw you coming. So I'm having that same conversation. Scott's <laughs> closer. And I'm going white flag, white flag. Cause I was bro. I was running my butt off. I was getting, I, I was, there was no like, not trying or I wasn't doing well or my car wasn't right. I was doing, I was running hard. And so were you, were you on Bridgestones?
1: No, um, they don't make a proper Miata size. They make a 205. Um, Uh. Matan was on 225s, but they were taller. So he had to like raise his car up and do all sorts of weird alignment stuff to make it happen. Um, those were, those, Bridgestones were 100% the fastest tire available by a margin, I think.
2: Ridiculous. <laughs> I, mean,
1: like I, I love the tire.
2: If, I mean, I, if I'm just going to go out and play, it's the best.
1: Yeah, I'd, and I don't blame you guys for... I mean, they were legal. All right, here we go. And just, I think my, my biggest argument for why they should have been disallowed was not because of their dry performance necessarily. It was because of their damp performance
2: Good. were yeah.
1: light years. Like they were going to be the spec damp to kind of wet tire. They were just light years ahead of anything else available. They were the new <laughs> Hoosier
2: H2O for those conditions. Yeah. So what's the idea? Because then you force everyone to be competitive. They just all have to go buy that tire. And so the idea is to give somebody a choice of three, basically, that's competitive.
1: Yeah, I think so. And just the the performance envelope and size availability, again, like not everybody could run that tire because Bridgestone doesn't make a whole lot of um, aftermarket mm-hmm. sizes,
2: truth okay um, yeah Yeah. that makes sense so some just have no chance
1: no i mean nope. i i would have had to have run 205s which doesn't work on my car or go to tall 225s and really have to play with right height and alignment yeah. to make those taller tires
2: work and i bought new wheels when we went to that i bought eight new wheels where <sighs> i think most most wouldn't that's not I guess that's not a fair scenario when it comes to that is building a car. Like not everybody can just go buy all the wheels and all the tires. And so I get that completely. Why not choose why do you think Grid Life hasn't gone to a just a one tire sponsor?
1: A lot more people are on board with that than I had anticipated this year. It's it's been an interesting few years. First everyone was like, You're gonna pry my hoosiers away from my cold dead hands to like no street tires are the best thing ever uh so that was a big turnaround but then like when everybody when that transition was being talked about nobody wanted spec tires and now like a lot of people want spec tires for me um at this point like we've driven on a fair number of the tire compounds that are available out there, um, except for the 730, just because they don't make a 245, they make a 225. Um, and tire compounds are good in different sizes and for different weights of cars and for different mm. horsepower modifiers and things like that. So, you know. I still think the 660, like properly set up and driven, is every bit as fast as something else. Um, same for the 730. They warm up a little slower, but they're there at the end. I, I think it just gives a little bit of movement
2: mm-hmm. to
1: where you can pick the best compound for your car. Mm. I think Falcon has the best size availability out of any of them. But. I don't think that compound works
2: on every car. I didn't Yeah. I didn't like those. So um, did we add tires or just remove those? Did we add others? Really just
1: remove the Bridgestones. Um, kind of refined you them. Bridgestones, by the way? Say what? You want to buy some Bridgestones, by the way? I've got some. <laughs> if, if they would fit uh, <laughs> Becky's. Mazda 2, then I might want them for the one lap next year.
2: <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. Well. Um, so what? There, there, there's an adventure you need to do, Zach. How, how come we haven't... Uh, that's a good point. Did, how come you haven't done the one lap? That is like, that's a good time week.
2: Yeah. We have discussed it a few times. I don't, I think, I mean, it would only be adventure, right? And then what car do I go in? I had it, I just recently sold a GT3, uh, 2018 gt3 and and that was the thought of I will go in this car but now we're getting into what smart ownership of an expensive car and what's not a smart owner and <laughs> and if I wanted to make money on that car I didn't need to put five or six thousand miles on it and you're not getting my old butt in a Subaru or anything like that to ride around like I want a comfortable car so I just haven't picked the right car yet okay. and and I think the other thing was there were 20 people on the list um, Pete and I had this whole plan. We went to the Ferrari McLaren shop in Washington D.C. It was like, okay, we're going to buy a 488, and we're going to like just show up whatever we want. We're going to just follow you guys around and then sell the car and lose ten grand, and and you know, and buy it at one point nine percent interest rates. We'll make three payments and be done. And then we and then we found out it was a you know twenty twenty person. List or waiting list, and it's like this. It, well, we can't buy a Ferrari on the twenty person wait list. That's
1: not fair. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> especially now you've got to sign up the day. Yeah. sign up is like you've got twenty four hours, and people will <sighs> then immediately be on the wait
2: list. I tell you, and the strengths are going like a S two thousand or Miata, or I can't do it. I can. I just my body won't do that. There's no way. Um. I need to be able to rest. Yeah, I, I hate to admit I'm that kind of person, but I just, I just am. It but one day, is, maybe. It was a hard. three need years, one of the man.
0: big, fast Mercedes or something like something that is like get yourself a like a 600 horsepower rolling couch. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, one of the
1: SLKs would be plush and nice.
2: Yeah, and then. No, you're not going to compete, but just enjoy the adventure. Seems like the Teslas are pretty competitive. That Tesla came along well, did it not? It
1: did very well.
0: Didn't um, sleep a lot though.
1: Yes, there. <laughs> like if yeah. if you like the adventure and like, hey, that looks like a fun place to stop. You can't do that in a Tesla. Like you know. You have to find a truck to draft between this stop and this stop because it's like five or ten miles farther. So in order to get there, you've got a draft or this next stop. All right, we're going to short change this stop. We're going to super, but it's got a supercharger. It it's like spreadsheeted out for yeah. the entire week.
2: I have some buddies out of Denmark, and I'm under a, 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 a non-disclosure. <laughs> i can't say a lot but i in in five or ten in five years we're not going to worry about i believe we're not going to worry about it taking very long to charge anything we have i I think some some pretty serious technologies coming on where it'll as as quickly as we can pump our fuel we'll charge these cars you're teasing
1: me now okay
2: i know i wish i could say more but just the future is coming for sure Uh, yeah you know i think they're really they're anyway they're they're coming up with some pretty serious technology um at the top you were asking me though oh go ahead no
1: at the top of the show you we were talking about abren mm-hmm. and his opinion on expensive cars versus cheap cars mm-hmm. and you had something interesting
2: to say about that well i think i had a different viewpoint Let, let's Let's try to get the context correct, and you, correct, and you may have to help me because I have, have, I have a terrible memory. It's but bold,
1: bold of you to assume we remember what we talked about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how long ago it was. It might have been. Like i said, like I said pray- two weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I I played roulette with your podcast. So, um, I feel like the discussion was it. Maybe it was. Maybe it was it. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's never a smart buy or it wouldn't be a smart buy because the depreciation is just is ridiculous, what happens to these cars. Okay. I learned a different way, and I've learned it in two different scenarios. One one with my father, which um, he played in the older classics, but they were expensive back in his day and are still expensive to this day. I've, I've looked back to, to see – It is a massive amount of money. Had he lived and held these cars, it would have been a fortune just on its own. For the cars he only had on the day he died, you know, not the cars he traded in and out on. I have another, a very good friend of mine that is a um, he's a he's a Saudi Arabian. um, Well, he's he's of the royal family, so they have all the money in the world, right? And he has all he just has beautiful beautiful things. You know, it's a different world. It definitely is a different world. But he's taught me part of this world that, that has been pretty interesting. Um, one time he told, this was our earlier, one time he told me, he said, until it he said, when you walk into a store and you buy a Snickers, do you walk out terrified that you've bought the Snickers? And I said, no. He said, you eat the Snickers. It's like nothing, right? And I said, yeah. He said, don't buy these cars until it feels like a Snickers to you. Don't own a Ferrari until it feels like a Snickers. So I said okay. So one day he wanted he we were we were at the Mercedes shop and it was a AMG um, E Class and and he was he was said he had me sit in it and he was like okay now I'll sit in it and he said now look at look at the color we, we're kind of the same color you know where that shade of brown. And he says he says look how good my skin looks against this color I'm like okay he says let me put your sunglasses on it he puts my sunglasses on he says does it look good and I said yeah it looks great and he says my friend my friend he calls the sales guy over and he says. I would like to buy this car for my friend here, put it in his name. And I said, no way. It was like 90 something thousand dollars. I said, you are not buying this car for me. He got mad. I got mad. You know, I'm offended that he's my buddy trying to buy a car. I don't need him to buy me a car. He's offended I didn't take it. And he got, we got in the car again. And he says, all I wanted to do was buy you a Snickers today. and, And you wouldn't let me do that for you. Like, Next time you want to buy me a milkshake, I'm going to tell you no so you understand how that's, it feels. That's okay. a big culture thing, yeah. Huge culture thing. Huge. All right. Well, now he's dove into the world of, of these cars. And when you choose these certain cars, like let's don't spend 100000 on your Porsche Carrera S. If you're going to buy an exotic car, buy the GT3 RS. Buy the Speedster buy, you know, take the hundred you were going to spend on that certain car, put it down on the $200,000 car. And what he taught me, he said, and I know this is a sad way to look, but this happened with the Ferrari, by the way. Um, when I told him about the Ferrari, he said, you've just opened a world up that you don't even understand. And I said, why? And he says, join the Ferrari club and meet the people that you've never met before. And you're, you're going to move into a world of trust that, that you've not met yet. You know, these different realms of individuals. So taking it from a business asset, just like, well, if I'm anything, if I'm a house flipper, i walk amongst the house the guys. and So I know real estate. The amount of real estate that is done amongst Ferrari owners is outrageous. I have flipped more commercial properties because of that Ferrari. It's paid for itself three and four and five times over now in, you know, in these years. So Maybe you look at it as this is a depreciating, depreciating asset, but so is my F-350 until I pull a dump trailer behind it that flips a house for me that makes me money down the road, right? So if you start to look at these things as investing tools, whether it, it brings you into another area of, of life that, that can build you, or if it, um, which we all know car culture, right? So it's the same kind of guys, it's just a different car, is what it gets down. Sure. They're a little snot, they're a little snottier, but <laughs> you know, each person has their thing. Sure. But, um, but it also is a tool amongst to write whatever story you want to write off of that. So I've bought Turbo S's, I've bought GT3's, I've bought the Ferrari, I've I've bought collector cars. I have a 928 that's sitting in the garage that I'm about to do that isn't a lot of money, but fun to build. And so it's all these things that I think it's perspective. I think it's an entrepreneurial perspective on anything that you buy. Buy it right. And there's always a deal. There's always somebody out there that understands it's depreciated and they're ready to sell. And then when you are able to go into that scenario and buy the car right, certain markets certain studies where movements are understand your buy it's not so stupid of a buy anymore in in my opinion.
1: God I feel like I just got took taken to school <laughs> no like all- no like that's like we Seth and I have talked about kind of budgets and you know basically like not looking at them in so much as they're gonna make you resent. Like what we're doing with cars, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in terms of like using race cars to like open up business opportunities, like that's that was fascinating.
0: Yeah, weirdly, breathes. I've I've done that the R sixty three when I owned that and went through that mm-hmm. whole experience. Like when you say it, I re- when you say it out loud, I realized that that Mercedes did a lot of those things for me, and I didn't appreciate it at the time the doors it was opening for me i just sort of walked through them and had fun with it um and good god you just told me what happened and i didn't realize it yeah and and, And that was like
2: seven years ago (laughs) yeah i i think you have to do it with a a a, um air being genuine being a genuine person you know and that sounds like what you did you just walked through the doors I didn't understand it at the time. He he preempted, you know, he said, watch what happens now that you own a Ferrari. And I think he has gone on to meet more and more billionaires by buying a three million dollar McLaren or buying this. Like he's just at the next level. But it, it has been interesting. It has been like, Hey, I don't you buy don't you buy commercial buildings? Yeah, I do. I know I got it. I know a guy that needs out of one and next thing, you know, you know, I know the price and how much to pay it for. It. And so, but, so that's just being an entrepreneur. I mean, we're always, I've been an entrepreneur since my father died. My first business I opened at 18 and, and I've, I've never had a job. I've always made my own paycheck. And I haven't always made a paycheck, but, but I've learned and um, yeah, looking for opportunities in a, and not taking advantage of, of people, but looking for opportunities I mean, look at what Colton does, you know, what Colton Wade does in Ohio. I have friends in Ohio. I've already discussed what the market's going on with Ohio. Do I want to talk to Colton one day about what goes on? We've built trust amongst friends. Why not work with friends? Why not? You know, I trust him with my life and he trusts me with my life. Why wouldn't we trust a little business deal for a minute? You know, you
1: mentioned this inner group. Of guys that you you talk with and you exchanged uh bs Mm -hmm. messages with constantly you know what what can you do or what have you done lately to better yourself i find that exceedingly rare Mm. these days Mm -hmm. for i i I guess I'll, i'll speak to my world men not only confiding in, in each other and sharing like close, intimate details on a regular basis, like really forging a friendship, but then like also helping encourage each other like into the future. Why? Like why <laughs> that, that's hard to do. That mm. takes time. It takes energy. That that's not something that you do because it's good f- like because you get something out of it that that's always seemed to me something because you've either gone through some tragedy which might have been the passing of your father or your father or some other older male in your life like Encourage you to do, or just like, was that for you? What, like, why? How is that why, a
2: part of you? Why? Why is that? What? What? What is a part of me? The accountability of of this friendship, like the the friends being accountable to each other, or that I find value in that? Yeah. <laughs> why do I find value in Both. accountability? Both. Why do I find value in accountability? First, the friendship is extremely valuable. I've got two friends that I've known since birth. We talk weekly. Since birth, 45-year friends. They know the death of my family, of my father. I know when he got bubonic plague in Germany. Like, like there's all these things in life that we know of each other. I, I remember everything. I remember the doll he walked, he had as a kid that I made fun of, and I know his name was Curly. And, you know, so there, if you have that in your life, which is rare, why would I ever lose that? Why would I ever say, do you remember you and I camping out for our neighbor girls to come home and they didn't even say hello to us when they got home? And, you know, and I remember that, you know, this is why we don't like dating people, you know, all of those things. The accountability side of it, in my opinion, well, I had very good mentors after my father died. He gave me two men. He said, these two men you trust forever. They still are alive and still my mentors to this day. And they're good men. And and I heard a quote. I don't know if I'm going to say it correctly. huh? Sit in the, anyway, <laughs> I'll say what I know. The measurement of a man is how he treats those that benefit him not. So when... I think we all have this path that we're trying to take and it's, it's very, this is very interesting. The three guys, one, I'm, I'm religious. I believe in God. The other one is an atheist, doesn't believe in God at all. And the third one is agnostic. It's kind of like a, you know, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And we all have this moral path that we walk down regardless of what that is. So it's, it's very interesting to, um, to, for us to all walk this path and try to stay stay on this direction. So what we made a pact and said if we get off pace, and I'll give you for instance, I was going to buy a really big house one day, and I called my buddy and I was like it has elevator in it. I was all excited, and he said, "Can you afford to do all the things you do for people if you buy this house?" And I said, "Man." no, <laughs> like I can't, but I can live real good. Like I can, I can live like a king. you know, is what I feel. And he's like, well, do what you think, but y- you should think about what makes you happy in life. And is it the house or is it helping people? And I said, you're right, you're right. And I was probably 30 at this time. And that's a, that was a massive thing for me in my life that changed right there to say, stay focused on what you want to do. And the happiest I am is when I'm helping others, whether I'm mentoring or just giving a helping hand. And that came from my mentorship of these two men that did not need the help. Some, excuse my, dead guy's son that will, they'll, he'll never call them and say, why aren't you taking care of my son? You know what I mean? So there's a payback there that I want to continue. It's a lot of that. I want to be as successful as them so I can show people what they did for me. And I want to be able to pass that on. So I guess that's it. So the accountability of, Hey guys, I think we've had that discussion of, listen, you ever see me getting off track? You ever see me? I'm getting angry about something that I shouldn't be. And we trust each other so much. They could, you've got, you're being an asshole. You're a titled asshole. And I'm not mad about it. I trust them like they're my brothers. So that, I guess that's a why it has made me a better person. I think I hope that it has, you know. And if not, they'll tell me. They'll let me know. <laughs> Did that answer it? Does that help? Or yeah, I,
0: I think it makes you explaining it that way makes the the renting the sky lifts make sense. Because before I was like, you're spending money to make yourself giggle, and that's <laughs> like that in itself is noble. But now I realize you're spending money to make yourself giggle, and to benefit ASM and to drive a Skylift around the paddock and make a thousand people giggle, and for people to see it on the live stream, and you you took an expenditure, and you spread, like, the amount of joy that you spread with that is way beyond making yourself giggle. And I think if you, it, it occurs to me that if you were just making yourself giggle, it wouldn't make sense. But if you can wrap that many other people up in it, Well, now it makes sense. Yeah. And I mean,
1: Snickers for everybody.
2: And and by the way, just, just to be clear, Pete spent that money. (laughs) I didn't spend that money, but Pete rode people up and down all day long. Kids, cameramen, grid life, people like everybody. And and yeah, that's it, man. And, and ASM is a, we've become a family. We're really tight. And, and like families, we fight amongst our, our groups. and, We are accountable to each other. Hey, we got a good thing. Don't let this break us up. Hey, we got it, you know, because it gets close sometimes on, on, you know, so accountability is a big thing. Oh, I can't even argue it. Like, if you're not accountable to somebody, you better get somebody because it's going to make you feel better when they call you an asshole (laughs) in the end of this.
1: Yeah. And you were, you were mentioning your two mentors and Mm. how they weren't really accountable to anybody that they were going to help you or not. It Mm -hmm. reminds me of like the very practical test of morality for a person is whether or not they put their grocery card away in the parking lot.
2: I love it. I love it. Yes.
1: Because it's, it's almost like the perfect, it's one of the great morality tests because there's no accountability unless you go to Aldi, then, you know, you've got the quarter involved.
2: Sure. Um,
1: But like nobody's going to yell at you for leaving a card out. Nobody's going to praise you for putting the cart back. You do or you do not, based on your decision to do that. And that's it. Yeah. It is an internal thing, an internal drive
2: only. So when it's raining and it's seven parking spots away because everybody needs to park close for the raid, do you have an internal conversation with yourself? (laughs)
1: because <laughs> i do one
2: i a do too one. i'm like i don't want to do it but it's good for society <laughs> it's, a, it's a
1: sound it's a sound for me it's oh uh, yeah it's yeah that as i like put on my hood and run
2: yeah yeah it's um it's the truth and you know and then when you see one going across the parking lot that hits somebody's car hit somebody's car or there's one leaning up against a car and you, and you think about that that person just would have thought about all the ramifications beyond i don't feel like walking over there it's it's such a good example you came up with i mean it's 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 perfect to what that is and that's what these men are they were my father's best friends and um so i think i would do that for mine and i'm actually the godfather to one of the one of the three i will take their kids if something were to ever happen and uh, god forbid but um yeah, they've they've been amazing to me. There's never been a time that I've called and said, I need you and they've said I'm here. Like tell me, tell me what it is. And n- internationally successful guys. These aren't guys just sitting on the porch waiting for me to call. They might be on their jet as I call them to say what's going on. You know, how 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 can I help you, Zach? It's amazing. Blew my mind that there's men like that on earth, you know? Beyond my beyond my dad.
1: And it sounds like Sounds like you're trying to be one of those guys. Like, not not to have the jet, but yeah, to be there f- when somebody needs you.
2: Even half. If I can be half of what they were, I'll, I'll be happy, really. But, yeah, and the jet, I don't care. I mean, I've, I've, you know, whatever. The materials are fun when you have them, but I don't care about them.
1: There are a few things dumber than race cars. Airplanes
2: are one of them. <laughs> yeah, truth. Although... I'm told by a friend I can show you how to make money while holding your own plate. <laughs> but I haven't tried that yet. I don't like to fly. I'm well, not drug, a flyer. Well, drug running is a real
1: life choice. So,
2: <laughs> Oh, so we're getting back into my teenage years now is what we're going to talk Ooh. about. <laughs> That's a complete joke. <laughs> yeah, there was no drug running. No drug running. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, you started your own business, all right? yeah, yeah. Wink. Right. Wink,
2: wink. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny um oh, well what are where who do you want to thank who do you want to give shout outs to links where can people find you all that kind of good
2: stuff well I uh gosh well I, obviously i want to thank Red life because it's just incredible i want to thank you guys for letting me be on here you're really beyond Adam looking around the or Abe looking around the pits and going, well, Zach's here. We can talk to you. <laughs> I've not had anybody reach out to say, let's do a podcast. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And then, uh, ASM and you know, we're ASM US on Instagram and on Facebook, we're ASM motorsports. And then I'm Z L O V O Y Z LaVoy on Instagram. So yeah, that's people want to find us. That's, that's where they find us right now. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the
1: time, Zach. We, uh, Appreciate talking, getting to know you a little bit better. Thank you, guys. I I had a great time. Well, for the three of us this week, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon.